Blog Talk Radio. Welcome once again to the Lucky Mojo Blue River Tower, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. I'm your announcer, Clifford Lowe of clifflow.com in scenic Phoenix, New Jersey, and in just a moment, we'll be joined by our co-hosts, Catherine Ironwood of luckymojo.com in Forestville, California, and Conjurman of conjurmanconsulting.com in Mission Viejo, California. This week, we'll be joined by a special guest, Reverend John St. Germain of johnstgermain.com in Knoxville, Tennessee, bringing us today's topic of building your luck. They'll take your calls and offer address to address, your advice to address, ameliorate, and remediate your questions and problems about love, money, career, and spiritual protection using traditional African-American folk magic practices of hoodoo, conjure, or root work as divined and prescribed by the greatest spiritual hoodooists of our time. You can learn a lot just by listening, but if you're selected from among those who signed up at the Lucky Mojo forum at forum.luckymojo.com and called into the show, then you'll be on the air and receive a free consultation. We'll be going to the phones in just a moment, but first, let's catch up with our co-hosts, Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman. Ms. Cat? Hi. Well, my first order of the day is to wish you a happy birthday, Clifford. Thank you very much. It's been a great weekend. Yeah, mm, I, your, actual, your actual birthday, birthday was yesterday, correct? Yes, it was. Yeah. And uh, I had a wonderful dinner with then. friends. Yes. <laughs> That's great. I won't ask how old you are, but I know you're a mature man. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right. Um, now everybody can figure out what your sign of the Zodiac is. Okay. Uh, that's not a huge mm. secret. I'm a crab. Yeah, an old crab. All right. Um, Well, I have just gone through the most insane last uh, seven minutes of my life uh, recently, being able to um, not be connected to the radio board. I was connected. I thought I could be heard. I couldn't be heard. I'm just back in. So I am just barely came in here. we had a wonderful morning. Some people that we had not seen since 2007 decided that now COVID is over and they're going to reconnect with old friends. They live only a few miles from us, but for one reason or another, we hadn't seen them since 2007. So we spent a couple hours catching up, and that was fun. And, of course, me being me, I spent the whole time stocking shelves in the shop while talking because I have to multitask <laughs> or I'm or I'm not really alive. Um, so that was a, a nice morning. I've been working very hard on the Hoodoo Heritage Festival texts. These are the uh, leaves of, of uh, typeset material that will be printed and come to you in your goodie box when you buy your tickets. Later, they will be collected when we have enough of them, and make a a book like the black folder and the red folder. And uh, that book will be coming out either next year or the year after. It depends on when we get enough pages to put together a book. However, typesetting them is my joy and pleasure, and I'm almost done. Just have the last two of them left to go. 
So that's really good. And um, tickets are selling well for the festival. We're all very happy with that. Uh, pretty much everybody who's here today is part of the festival. So we've got um, Clifford. He's going to be presenting on lodestones. We have uh, Conjurman. He's going to be talking about triple-layered spells. I'm going to be talking about doll magic and presenting my new book I wrote on the subject, which, by the way, is now for sale at Amazon. But, hey, if you get your copy with your ticket um, to the festival, it'll be signed by me. And Reverend John St. Germain will be our guest, and he's doing a workshop on matchbox spells. So we're all festivaled up, and we're here to talk about an entirely different topic, which is building your luck. But that's what I have going on here right now, just making sure that there are enough Chimes Ginger Chews and Rider Waite Smith Tarot decks and little uh, iron cauldrons in the shop for all the walk-in customers we've been getting. As the weather has been warm, COVID seems to be kind of not on everybody's mind anymore. We're having an awful lot of people come into the shop, and it's been quite pleasing. So that's what's been happening here. Um, Oh, and a shout-out to Papa G, who I don't think is in the chat, but I just absolutely could not do this show without thanking Papa G for all of his work getting together the videos and um, promotional videos and other videos for the festival. John has done his part, too, but um, Papa G has been working at a really quick, fast pace to, to bring us up to schedule and just a wonderful, wonderful helper. All right. Uh, how are things in your world, Conjurman? Things are, well, uh, busy as usual. It is uh, really, really hot, uh, and a heat wave has sort of struck most of the country uh, and definitely in parts of Europe. Almost uh, a 1,000 people have died, actually, in Europe uh, as a result of the heat waves, particularly in Spain and Portugal. So, uh, you know, sending my thoughts out to, to everyone over there. Uh, and hopefully they can take some tips from us Californians uh, on how to stay cool when uh, the summer hits. Because we, we've we been, especially in the past few years, uh, heat waves are just basically our summers. Our summers hit, you know, triple digits very easily uh, or it sort of averages in the 90s, uh, particularly in Southern California. So solidarity for everyone who's trying to survive the heat wave right now because it is uh, wild. Um, I finished my video for the workshop, uh, and I'm just doing some edits today. So it's going to be super exciting. It's a very fun workshop. If you haven't signed up for the Hoodoo Heritage Festival, I basically in this workshop uh, teach you to design your own root work and spells in the same way that I do every week on the radio show. So mm-hmm. you'll be wondering how I come up with the things that I do and the sort of structure that I use. We reveal it all in this workshop. So I'm very much looking forward to uh, sending that in. It's been quite exciting. I already got back the flyer that Ms. Cat typeset and edited for me. Uh, it was beautiful and wonderful. Uh, and as all good writers, I recognized one fundamental truth. We are nothing without a good editor. Uh, <laughs> uh, yes. You could see the brilliance of Miss Cat's editing and typesetting as she takes my writing and makes it even better. So uh, as all good writers, we, we send out our deep appreciation to Miss Cat and all the silent work she does 
behind the scenes in editing and typesetting. Uh, really uh, is, uh, thank you. Thank you. So, but thank, I, thank I you have something so else. important to thank you for that. Yeah, I have, I have something else um, to mention also. Uh, Nagashiva and I have been collecting dolls to film for my um, video. Mine will be the last one because I've got to get all the typesetting done first before I can start mm. my video. And Papa G is just sitting there waiting, ready to put my video together. But we've been uh, purchasing dolls, and we have gotten some wonderful handmade dolls. Um, two of them just recently from two Air members, one of them made by Heidi Holton. It's an amazing doll. You'll see it in my video when we uh, when we do the workshop. It's just phenomenal. And the other one is another really solid, beautiful doll made by Ilona Bliss, another Air member. And one of these is for uh, destruction and toxicity and damnation, and the other one is for love and so and romance. So I'll be mm, showing a lot of different cool. dolls, you know, and what they look like. If you get my new book, you'll see also there's a whole page of just like random. It's all dolls of the world <laughs> all over. But it's really neat. I still have time. If any of you make dolls and want to send me a doll by priority mail and get it filmed and in my video, there's still a little time for that. Um, I am accepting dolls for the Doll Museum of Magic, and um, I'd be very appreciative. Um, so, oh, mm, and now she published the doll department care of Lucky Mojo Curia Company, personal mail, 6632 Covey Road, Forestville, California, 95436. We just got one in from Reverend James, he said. <laughs> I didn't even oh, know. Wow. I hadn't even opened it yet. Yeah, so dolls are us. And I really do want to give shout outs to all the great doll makers among my friends. So send me a doll now. <laughs> now. <laughs> All right. Well, our um, our uh, master of um, magic, John Saint Germain, is with us today, and we're oh, going to be you. talking about luck. And um, John did a welcome, wonderful welcome. workshop on uh, on corn husk dollies back at the um, hmm, was that last year? I believe it was. Uh, two, two. Two years ago. Two years ago. And um, I gave a shout-out in my book to him and his doll-making techniques. You know, John, it's not too late for you to just, like, pop one into priority mail and send me one, huh? I have uh, have a few laying around here. I I could if you want me to. I sure can. I would like one to just put into my video. You know what I mean? Just, you know, I'm the last one making a video, so I'm still just, you know, slipping this stuff together. Um, I would love to have a genuine John St. Germain Cornhouse doll for my uh, my, uh, museum. I took your course, and I made my own little Cornhouse doll, but it was... It was not up to snuff. I'd need to practice on three or four, or 30 of them the way you've done. I mean, you've probably made 100 of them by now. And, oh, um, at least, yeah, at least. Yeah, yeah. He's a he's a tremendous doll maker and um, really uh, wonderful. That uh, flyer and workshop on your dolls will be coming out in the next, whatever I think I'm calling it, the blue folder right now. But it might be the yellow folder by the time it comes out. Who knows? Anyway, I'll, I'll pick a color. Maybe it'll be the green folder. I don't know. Um, so anyway, but we'll have that. That will be in there too for those of you who missed his workshop. All right. Well, John, today our topic is building luck, and I want to mm. introduce the topic as I always do. Um, mm. I'd, I'd like to mostly talk about good luck, 
Um, but do people do consider bad luck the polar opposite of good luck? I don't want to spend too much time on bad luck, but I do want to recount something that happened today. Just as we were getting ready for the show, we had um, these people I mentioned had come by that we had not seen since 2007. And then a woman, had a young, very young, she's a 23-year-old woman, came and she was all dressed in black. And you know how people kind of just walk over to you and start telling you that you've got to help them, right? If you run a shop like mine, a metaphysical shop, they go, can I get a reading from you? Can I get your help? And I'm like, I've got to go do a radio show. I was like, oh, no, but here's the business cards. and you know. But she kept them going on, and, and I finally I relented, and I said, well, what's your problem? And she told me that she had had a weird dream. That was her words, but that it reminded her of another dream she'd had in which a, a, a voice cried out her name in her sleep, and she woke up and she was so frightened and crying that she went into her mother's bedroom, and her grandmother was visiting and was also sleeping in the double bed with the mother, and so she lay down by her grandmother, and then suddenly her grandmother woke up and said to her, take me to the hospital, and her grandmother was having a heart attack, and she actually, her dream saved her grandmother's life. And I said, well, that's wonderful. You're so lucky. And she goes, no, no, I'm terrified. And I said, no, no, that was good luck. You, That was lucky. So the other lady who I was, hadn't seen since 2007 said, I've got the luck of the Irish. She goes, I just, I, I can just, you know, enter any contest and win. And her partner, my friend, was saying, said, yeah, yes, absolutely true. We won tickets to see George Carlin right before he died. We won tickets to see The Who. She just, she just sends in and she wins. And and she goes, yes, I've got the luck of the Irish. And she was a little short Irishy lady, and the other woman was dark and dressed in black. And I looked at the lucky lady, and she had on a pink T-shirt and then sort of a green shirt over that was chartreuse green. It was, like, so clashy and bright. And then over that, she had some, like, stylish overalls, like workman's overalls from the 1920s, but they were totally styling and they were white, sort of, no, light blue, white. And she just was... You know, nice old lady, white hair, beautiful looking. And I went, boy, there's good luck and bad luck personified. And I and I realized that the lady with, who said she had bad luck and these terrifying dreams actually just didn't recognize her good luck. She had saved someone's life, right? That's good luck. But she was dressed in black and said she was terrified. And the other lady who said, oh, I just enter contests and win and just shrugged her shoulders and smiled. She had good luck, but she knew it. And with that, I'm going to turn this over to you, John. Oh, well, thank you. Those are excellent stories. And did you also know how they uh, they both named it, too? They they named it. And so they uh, they claimed it. They named it and claimed it. And mm-hmm. said, oh, I have terrible luck. And, you know, what you send out is what you're going to get back. And so you're right. She did have good luck, but she called it bad luck. Isn't that interesting? And uh, mm-hmm. You have to wonder how much selective uh, identification she saw in her life and uh, how many blessings she overlooked or Mm -hmm. discarded because she self-identified as bad luck. You you know, you wonder Mm -hmm. what her email, uh, her email address, uh, you know, like (laughs) badlucklady at AOL.com or something. Mm -hmm. And uh, some people um, enjoy this, you know. Um, mm-hmm. You said she's dressed all in black, you know, like she's in mourning for her life. Mm-hmm. And uh, w- one has to wonder about that. And then 
and then you had this other lady, oh, I'm so lucky, I'm so lucky. And, you know, winning contests, uh, I, I've always done that. When I was a little kid, you know those little punch boards where you, you have a little, oh, yeah. it looks like, yeah, and you punch it and a little piece of paper pops out and you open it up and mm-hmm. uh, it, it's got a number on it. I used to win those so often. When I was a little kid, we had this little uh, grocery store and uh, the guy did it, you paid uh, back then, it was like a quarter. And uh, this is in the 60s and I was maybe uh, 8 to 10 years old and I'd pop it and I want a fruitcake. And uh, he was like, oh, aren't you lucky? I came back, and he had another one, and I popped it, and I won, uh, oh, I don't know why, it was something else. And he, he, at one point, said, you can't play this anymore. You you got uh, a second side or something. And uh, uh, he was from uh, Jerusalem. Uh, they were the Harbs. They were from Jerusalem. And uh, so he, I would come in, and he would rub my head for luck. And uh, oh, wow. he forbade me from playing that game because every time I, I, I would, one time, boom, and I would hit the lucky number. And so I've always had this. One time I, I won a pair of shoes in a drawing. I, uh, there were these uh, orthopedic shoes that helped my bad back. And so uh, I've always had this because I've always believed, and this is almost my catchword, everything's going to be okay. No matter how the dire straits I've been in, I don't worry. And I'm known for that. And that's why I had this youthful face in my 60s. Um, because uh, I don't worry. I know everything is going to be okay, and it always is. And uh, this is belief. And so what I think to to have luck, you have to understand what it is. And uh, I think I've always had an intuitive understanding what luck is. Luck is not an oppressive force from the universe. Uh, this is a dark room. is absence of light. Uh, what we call bad luck or misfortune is an absence of good luck. And so if we understand what luck is, then we have a way of bringing it in. And um, like many spiritual things, uh, luck is not separate from physicality. We, we often think there's physical and spiritual, like two separate things, but there's not a duality there. They're so closely related that they're inseparable. And so we have to look at the physical world when we're looking at luck. We, uh, we, we, people, places, and things. What people, places, or things are in our life mm-hmm. may be the source of what particular misfortune we're identifying with. Is it financial misfortune? Is it love misfortune? Is it just general misfortune? We look around. We say, okay, what is the source of this? And if we understand that and make firm decisions, uh, change our thinking, change our lifestyle, we suddenly found we were not born under a lucky star. I've had people say, this, oh, I was just born under a lucky, uh, an unlucky star. Oh, it's a curse. Oh, my family, my whole family's unlucky. Well, you know, what are you doing? You're, you're, you're uh, doing an internal program to expect it to happen. You, you know, you expect everything to go wrong. And believe me, if you expect what you expect is going to happen most of the time. I've got a million stories of guys who work, uh, that I know who work diligently uh, under terrible conditions, uh, you know, like in show business and stuff. They just, mm-hmm. oh, man, they, they took just terrible gigs until they got their break. And then they got Las Vegas shows. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they were in their 40s before they got their break. You know, it was like they worked 25 years just hoping for that break. But when that break hit, they were there to get it. Yeah. And, well, I'm going yeah. to pose a couple of questions here. Sure. This is sure. in, in, 
talking with these people today and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, trying to figure it out, I was trying to cheer up the young woman in black and tell her, you could have the luck of the Irish, too, although she was uh, Mayan from Honduras. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it, I said, you know, you, too, could be happy. It doesn't have to, you don't have to be Irish to be lucky. And um, I began to wonder, is it genetics? Is it astrology? Is it your internal attitude? Did a family curse rob you of luck? Um, there are so many questions that people have. Now, my inclination was immediately to look at the astrology of it and think, well, you know, if they have, um, you know, Jupiter conjunct their sun or whatever, they're lucky, right? And if they have, you know, Saturn in some very negative place, they're unlucky. So I tend to look at astrology, but I could also see that family attitudes have a a meaning. Mm. And for the woman who said she was unlucky, she first introduced the topic to me, then I went and did something, and I came back, and she joined the ongoing conversation between me and the other woman to tell the whole story all over again. And both times she introduced it by saying that her parents were atheists. This is where her story began. My parents were atheists. And I'm like, that's a weird place for your story about luck to start. And that got me thinking, did she feel she was cursed or did she feel that, you know, because her parents were atheists that she wasn't loved by God and therefore not lucky? So in talking to people about what they believe to be lucky, I think it's important to get their fix on it first um right, to yes. say that that um that you know your situation at, that you were born into determines whether you're lucky or not lucky there's an old song by albert king called born under a bad sign and it yes. contains the line if it wasn't for bad luck i wouldn't have no luck at all and there mm-hmm. are people who are self-talkers that way who kill their luck jinx their own luck jinx themselves basically I want to bring Conjurman into this. He has been blissfully quiet in the corner. Conjurman, what do you think about building luck? Yeah, I think uh, first we need to distinguish between luck and fortune because they are separate from one another. They are different. Luck is situational, and it can be contextual. And luck is related to things like chance. That is, uh, when an, an event happens and there are odds, the odds are in your favor. And luck can change. Luck is deeply, deeply mercurial. It can fluctuate. It can be good. It can be bad. And there are things you can do to improve luck, uh, whether through magical working, through affirmations, also through your relationship to the force of luck, if you will. And this is quite, you know, ubiquitous in world traditions, whether you're talking about the ancient Mediterranean, whether you're talking about uh, China, wherever you're talking about, they have this understanding that luck and fortune differ from one another. That luck is situational and contextual and is related to this concept of chance. Then there is the concept of fortune, which is ongoing and external. It is a state of being. To be fortunate or to be unfortunate. And it's quite literally related to an ancient Greek concept or goddess, Tike, or Tulke, depending on how you pronounce it. And the idea here is that that is something that you are 
born with, whether it's shaped by the uh, astrology of your birth, or it's born through genetics, or it's passed down spiritually, or it's a condition that is replicated by yourself, fortune endures. But like luck, it can also change. But the two are different from one another in that luck tends to have a more material component to it. Luck tends to be physical. And in fact, in the ancient world, when they said someone was lucky, they generally meant a person's material condition and their health. Their health looks a certain way. The body looks a certain way. That is considered lucky. Fortune, on the other hand, is generally considered to be a spiritual state of being. One can be fortunate, but not lucky by which the ancients often meant that a person could have no material wealth, can have ill physical health, but still be deeply, deeply fortunate. That is, that is, that they are still in a state of blessedness. And that blessedness produces contentment, happiness, and acceptance of the world around you. And we all know people like that. They may have no money, but they're absolutely just living their best life. No money in the world. They can't afford anything. Sure. Things yes. kind of, You would look at it and go, oh my God, this person is so unlucky. But you would trade places with them in a heartbeat. Why? Because they are absolutely just happy in life. Life is good and they're yes. thrilled about anything, right? Extra fry in their bag, they are thrilled about it. And there are people who are the exact opposite, that are lucky. Everything goes their way. Meaning that if they roll and chance, they're winning the lottery. If they throw the dice, it's going to give them the numbers that they want. But they are absolutely miserable. They are unfortunate, even as they are lucky. And so two things exist that they can intersect, that they can work side by side, they can collaborate or work opposing one another, is a very important uh, spiritual understanding to come to when you're talking about luck and fortune. And again, this can be found in spiritual traditions around the world. It is definitely found in astrology. We find, for example, uh, people can have uh, bad luck throughout their life. They can, for example, have uh, Saturn as a major influence in their life. It could be Saturnian, for example, Saturn in the first house, Saturn aspecting some, making some type of hard aspect to some other placement. But Saturn is also famed for granting certain gifts, longevity being one of them. And so a a person can be Saturnian and experience difficulties throughout their life and be unlucky, but they can have a completely different, you know, gift long life, for example. This is also found in the idea that there is a specific concept in astrology related to luck, and that's known as the lot of fortune or the part of fortune, pars fortunae in the Latin, saham al sada in Arabic. That is this concept that certain placements working together will produce a particular experience in the body and the material conditions and resources of the individual. So parsing these things is really important because the strategy to change them also varies. Working for fortune versus working for luck. Something like blessing oil versus fast luck oil. Two different approaches, but both kind of trying to address a similar related concept with distinction. 
Yes, very good. That's good. It is that's understanding yeah. the physical the physicality of of the situation. So I, Onyx Rose in the chat brought something up about the luck of the Irish that originally she felt it was used sarcastically to refer to the Irish having no luck, that the luck of the Irish was negative after the potato famine and so forth. I have seen Irish people claiming it, and there is, and they're happy, they're, they're sincere, they really mean it. Irish people are luckier than other people. There is a, a, a linkage between these two concepts. One is that Irish people, and this is a, a um, what you might call a, a stereotyped racist sort of sentiment, that Irish people could only get ahead if they were lucky because everything they did was wrong or bad. And so this goes to a much different theory of luck. And I'm going to, uh, that Contraband was kind of talking about it in John too. And this is called the good luck, bad luck story. And Nakashiva is my greatest storyteller of these. They date back, good luck, bad luck stories can be found in ancient China. They can be found um, just all over. And I cannot recite one from memory. Um, but I think that, Contraman, you know the kind I'm talking at. The man who was, um, yeah. had a, he broke his leg and therefore he couldn't go. Yep. No, they, he yep. found yep. a horse, yep. therefore he yep. was lucky because he got a horse, but he fell off the horse and broke his leg and that was unlucky. And then they came yep. to conscript him for the army, but he wasn't put into the army because his leg was yep. broken and that was, yeah, you know the story I'm talking about, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. This is found, again, across world cultures. It's a very famous sort of trope in which good luck and bad luck are played with one another. And they're always told in a sort of pedagogical format, that is, that they're designed to teach you something about being in a blessedness. The, one of the most famous ones is, is from the Middle East, in which these uh, uh, sailors are traveling, uh, and they care, pick up these strangers, and they offer them a ride across the sea. This is considered a great act of charity, and in payment for their act of charity, the strangers damage the boat. And they're like, oh, look what, a, what our luck is, that here we are in this great act of charity, and in payment for our charity, our boat has been damaged, only for a few days later to find out that a tyrannical king is going to conscript all the boats in the region, and because their boat has been damaged, they have now been saved from the war. The horse one is another very common one. That one does originate from China, that you find a horse. Um, and that's considered lucky, but then you, the horse throws you off and you break your leg. Oh, no, that's bad luck. And then the tyrant is going to conscript everyone, but because your leg is broken, you are saved from the war. So this speaks to both the spiritual condition of luck and fortune again, what I was talking about, how these things are related to one another. In that instance, breaking your leg is unlucky, but it is still fortunate because it saves you from going to war. But it also speaks to perspective right? Your ability to see what has happened. Your immediate reaction to say a broken leg is, well, crap, that's very unlucky. But there may be a hidden blessing in it. So you see that quite a bit, and it is deeply tied to this idea of luck versus fortune, and of course, destiny and fate play a big role in these stories. Shiva made a comment here, and this is, as I said, these lucky-unlucky stories, and he collects them. He knows more of them than I do, and they do come from all over the world. He said, immediate as compared to holistic. In other words, at any given moment, when you take a sounding of where a person is, they might be lucky or unlucky. Mm 
But holistically, it's optimism that that frames the lucky narrative. And mm. this goes back to what John was saying, that attitude plays a part in this, and so does practicality. What do you do with what you're given? You know, if you, if you have... Um, you know, only three beans, and you plant them, and this giant bean stock grows. What do you, what happens next? You know, um, are we all going to starve to death because the beans are now out of sight up in the sky, or should we climb up the bean stock and find? Oh, look, there's a giant. Oh, he could be about to kill us. Oh, but his grandmother, you know, is going to take pity on it. And it's just these stories, these flips of energy from lucky to unlucky, lucky to unlucky. They um, sometimes are called. Um, uh, in, in German folklore, they're sometimes called cleverness stories in which the person almost seems to have arranged for things, um, but they didn't. It just happens to them, and they're they're called clever yes. or lucky. Yes. Lucky Hans yeah, yeah. is a type of story in German yeah. folklore. Um, lucky and, fools and clever are a very trope also in Northern Europe. Yeah, yeah, in Northern Europe, yeah. So with this as a background, um, I find John's attitude here that we make our luck through practical means after all if 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 you read stories about people who suddenly were lucky they had something that they knew thought felt or were capable of at the moment that the thing happened that changed the luck from bad to good so some of this is attitudinal but i also want to get into another aspect of it and this is the idea that luck can be carried with you in the form of an object, an amulet, a talisman, a charm, yep. an oil that you might dress yourself with. And hoodoo, in particular, is filled with lucky items. And uh, Papa G and I um, put together a book called um, uh, How to Use Amulets, Charms, and Talismans, and a great percentage of those are lucky charms. And I also have a website um, called the Lucky W Amulet Archive, and that website is nothing but lucky charms. So the idea that these charms will bring luck is something that I consider important for uh, building luck. People oh, have yeah. their lucky yeah. penny, their lucky uh, four-leaf clover, their lucky horseshoe, their lucky rabbit foot, and so forth. Why these cultural tokens are lucky varies by culture, of course. It's, there's no one way to do anything. And, of course, even directionality of the horseshoe. I don't think we have a radio show that we don't mention it. Um, and the Irish and their upward-pointing horseshoes and the Germans with their downward-pointing horseshoes. Um, the idea that manipulating certain small objects will manipulate luck is super important in the study of folk magic. I mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. find it um, important for me to be carrying my lucky things, to wear my lucky jewelry. I do it all the time. I don't know why I, I believe in it, but I do, and I always have. And I I, I cannot say that I would, am a particularly lucky, lucky, lucky person, but I certainly have had more luck than many, and I think I attribute it to the carrying of my talismans. Mm-hmm. I, I believe in it, too. I believe in it, too, and uh, for various reasons. If nothing else, uh, the... Uh, the talisman, uh, apart from any magical or spiritual significance, I believe it boosts your confidence. And uh, I was told very early on when I was young that uh, the person who, and I, I was, what he said, he said, John, the person who 
uh, goes out on a limb. He, well, he said the person who had balls will get the blast, will get the grass chips, will get the blue chips. And uh, I took that to heart. And uh, uh, I'll, I'll give you an example. There are these things called trunk shows. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I wanted to get into them when I was very young and very poor to set up as an entertainer, uh, basically doing palm readings. Uh, one was a, a brothel, uh, brothel show, but it cost, and this was in the early to mid-'80s, it cost $200 to get a booth. Well, I had $2, so, but what I did, uh, you, you had a badge to get in, and this was in the middle of the early-'80s, so they printed these badges on these really cheap printers, right? So, uh, but I went through the trash and I found a badge that someone had thrown away and I put it on and I got all my equipment in my arms and I just went right past the people checking the badges and I said, hello, I'm the entertainer, which was not a lie, right? And they just mm-hmm. let me in. So I went over to a wall and I put a big banner up that uh, Bob Tripp, you know Bob Tripp, he did airbrush mm-hmm. art as well as other things, put it on the wall and set up and started reading palms. And I had a, even had a basket for tips. And uh, I, would, I got in free. And I had friends who paid a lot of money for a booth, right? So I was reading palms and getting tips and passing my cards out to people who had a lot of money, right? And, uh, mm-hmm. uh, and I was thinking, I'm going to get caught. Well, eventually, one of the security guards wandered over. And I thought, well, I'm going to get asked to show some proof or something. And uh, he said, you read palms, huh? I said, yes, sir. He said, anything to it? And I said, what does he want to hear? And I said, nah, it's just a bunch of BS, man. And, you know, laughed and he laughed and he put, he put a bag of potato chips in my chip bowl <laughs> and, uh, oh and walked off. And uh, and uh, and I, I stayed there the whole weekend, basically, uh, doing that. And uh, so uh, and another time I did the same thing and I, I couldn't find a badge, so I, I got a set of colored markers and drew one. Uh, I copied one and uh, went in and did a, uh, uh, a hospitality suite uh, at, a, at a big convention of uh, business people and passed my cards out. And I booked a lot of events doing things like this because of this one guy uh, who, his name was Mike Rogers. That might be a name you recognize, Kat, who said to me, John, the 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 person with the biggest balls will get all the blue chips. And that was something that always occurred to me. Take a risk. Take risks. Do do the things that other people are afraid to do. And uh, that's where uh, you'll find doors that seldom, other people seldom open. Uh, many people are afraid to knock on doors. And uh, that's where some of the opportunities are. Um, the more opportunity, the more you put out there, the more you're uh, going to optimize the uh, places where these opportunities are. Um, and I think that's what we mean by uh, uh, preparation juxtaposed of opportunity. Um, you put a whole lot out there, and uh, you take a lot of chances. And uh, the more chances like this you take, the more courage you have, the more you uh, optimize your chances of meeting these opportunities, and eventually something's going to stick. We used to say, in a, uh, we used to say, let's throw a bunch of stuff at the wall and see what sticks, and some of it will. We've got a lot of uh, uh, we got a lot of stuff going on here in the chat room. Onyx Rose has got a lot of things going on here. She's she's got a lot of comments to make. She mentions that Barack Obama 
carry Lucky Charms when he was president. And there was a big to-do about it. I think the picture appeared in some magazine of his Lucky Charms and his two hands. And people were all like, well, you know, that makes him so, I don't know what, just not uh, not intellectual. He was he was superstitious, right? And um, John McCain, uh, who was opposing, you know, a person to Obama, was asking, what do you think of that? And John McCain reached in his pocket and pulled it. He goes, I carry Lucky Charms, too. Sure. <laughs> which I thought was great. But then somebody later said to Obama, hey, we want to see your Lucky Charms, and it was a different match. Some of them were the same, but they were different ones. And the the reporter asked him, well, these are different than the ones you showed last time. And he goes, oh, yes, I give them away to people, and then people give me other ones. So Obama, became, Obama was like this Lucky Charm exchange, which I thought was fantastic. <laughs> Well, then we have you yeah. cannot win it if you do not bet. That's another thing. It's the same thing. You got to be in it to win it. You know. You know. People say, "Well, I've never won the lottery." Well, do you buy lottery tickets? Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> you got to be in it to win it, and that's the way life is. You got to be in it to win it. You got to be a participant if you're going to be uh, lucky. Um, uh, you, you have to be a participant. You got to be in places around the right people uh, in the right. Uh, position uh, under the right circumstances for these things to happen to you. And uh, the more you do that, the more likely you are for these fortunate events to occur. And sometimes under the most extraordinary situations, we'll be standing in line getting a cup of coffee and just start a conversation with somebody, and they'll say, yeah, I've been looking for someone like you. I've seen it. Mm-hmm. I have seen it happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, luck is deeply related to things like confidence, deeply related to things like Attitude, and that's something that we've been kind of talking about in the abstract, but I want to bring it into the material here. Um, this is best epitomized when we talk about lucky charms, probably the ultimate manifestation of the intersection of confidence, luck, attitude, and even to a certain extent, foolhardiness to a bit, uh, is John the Conqueror Root. John the Conqueror Root uh, gets its name from the actual legend of John the Conqueror, and John the Conqueror is a prime example of the northern european lucky fool trope a person who may not be the smartest may not be the cleverest may never necessarily know everything but things just go their way because they're a little bit foolhardy they kind of they're bold in what they do and they expect things to just fall into place and they do things fall into place for john the conqueror and so john the conqueror root has that same quality It can boost confidence, it can boost potency, it can give you power, but it is also the ultimate lucky charm. In Conjure tradition, almost across the regions, because there are regional differences, you will find that people will go out of their way to pick a specific John the Conqueror route for themselves, a special route. That even if Mm -hmm. they're purchasing it from a supply shop, they'll come in and they go, i got to find the one that's for me. And carrying that can grant you gambling luck. It can grant you luck in love. It can grant you luck in a variety of different circumstances while also boosting your confidence, boosting your strength, boosting your vitality. So this is how attitude, confidence, luck are all interwoven in the material, uh, lucky material of John Conquerwood. Yeah. Um you know, I, I have to say, I didn't name my company Lucky Mojo, Lucky Mojo for nothing. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> if call, people call, thought that was an on. accident, they were wrong. <laughs> no, no, claim it, claim it, you know. I claim it and, exactly. And the logo and the logo has some lucky things on there. Yes, it has lucky clovers on it. And it actually, the design of that logo comes from an old vegetable crate label for Lucky Celery. And it had a big, you know, clover on it. And I was like, Lucky Celery. I hadn't even thought of celery as lucky. So I adapted that um, that label mm. and made Lucky Mojo and moved the little clovers to the outside of the picture. Yeah, I, luck is luck is sep- definitely something I am um absolutely fascinated with, collect it. Um I was just mentioning that I have a website about it, Lucky W Amulet Archive. It now has a new home at amuletarchive.com, much easier to remember than luckymojo.com forward slash lucky w amulet archive dot html they're just <laughs> amuletarchive.com it's the new home of the lucky w amulet archive and which um, is great which is very great i've gone over there quite a bit <laughs> about amulets <laughs> well thank you yeah it's a and i i'm in the process of updating it i'll be uh, as i go farther into my life i'm updating some of my old websites the um the idea, and I post Lucky Charms at my Instagram, by the way, pretty regularly. Maybe um, once a week, maybe every other week, I post a Lucky Charm from my collection. So that's just one of the things I've always been interested in. And if you follow me on Instagram, you'll see my collection of Lucky Charms as they stretch out into the future. So another thing about wonderful. building luck, uh, about building luck is. Um, I have written pretty extensively about this, and I want to get your guys' opinion, is the use of of religiously-centered luck. Now, this is kind of odd, mm-hmm. because religion is usually used for blessings and um, and for protection. In other words, a religious figure, an image of a saint, a, a crucifix, a, a six-pointed star, whatever you're going to use, whatever's a religious, you know, a crescent moon, whatever you're going to use religiously, uh, an image of a Hindu deity, um, and so forth. Though a pentagram, those have a religious context, and and mm-hmm. yet there are religious, um, l- there's religious luck. And I know that sounds really strange to people who are not in a religion, but I have met mm-hmm. a number of people who talk about their Oh, their lucky version of Guadalupe necklace. It's lucky for them. And so the use of deities for luck, um, Contraband mentioned, you know, Fortuna, the Roman goddess and so forth, embodied in sure. the United States as Lady Luck. There are also, there's also the goddess Lakshmi, who's the um, uh, Indian goddess of luck. And uh-huh. in some religions, um, Luck deities or luck saints or whatever you want to call them are common. In other religions, not found at all. And luck is perceived as coming from the devil. And then we have the idea, again, of the bad luck, good luck story, where the person makes a deal with the devil to be lucky. And then, of course, it's all snatched away at the end because it's one of those kinds of stories, right? But then maybe he gets back again. Oh, it's the devil, and he gets his luck back, right? So this struggle for where luck comes from, is it a blessing, or is it something that only 
non-deific forces can give to you because it is it goes against god's plan it's chaotic luck is is an element of chaos is it allowable in your religion so i'm not going to answer for your religion because i don't know who you are who i'm speaking to but your attitudes toward luck may be influenced by your religion. Like the young woman I mentioned earlier who said her parents were atheists by way of introducing the story of her lucky dream that saved her grandmother's life, which she took to be a terrifying dream of of warning and, and gave her anxiety for years. So uh, the idea that um, a deity would say to you, here's your luck, is sort of interesting, right? And some people have it and some don't. Leprechauns in Ireland, leprechauns are lucky. They're little elfic, uh, you know, little sprites. They bring luck. And in Germany, we see the little toadstool, uh, little men who sit on the toadstools and bring luck. And and there are poisonous toadstools that are called gluckpilz, which means lucky mushroom. But it's a totally toxic poisonous mushroom, which will get you high. I guess that's the luck of it. And so the idea that the, that luck comes from these othered individuals, little fairies or elves or sprites or trolls that, that give you luck or that you bargain with to get luck, it's another way of building luck. Uh, certainly. Well, uh, in terms of deities, etc., uh, I believe that gratitude and humility certainly will create a uh, environment for luck um, uh, it, when you uh, recognize that there's something bigger uh, when you uh, pay respect to the universe to a, a deity to a uh, personification of the creator uh, to uh, magical beings this creates gratitude and humility and I, I believe these are attractive forces that uh, bring into existence opportunities. Uh, there, is, there is that question, is there a metaphysical quality to these things? And that gets into the question of is, is there free will or is there predestination? And the, the only answer I have for that is yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Because uh, that's very big. Now, uh, you know, there there are many, many stories. Now, I can tell you a, a, a good luck, bad luck story. I was coming home from uh, – uh, I was working at a company. I was doing palm readings at a company for uh, Christmas, and I was driving home. And uh, a, a terrible snowstorm was uh, coming up, and I couldn't see three feet in front of me, and cars were passing me like they could. And I, I, you couldn't see. And I thought, well, maybe they, they can see, and I can't. But I'm going to pull off the road. And the, the storm got worse and worse. And uh, I saw an old man walking down the street. I said, I'm going, to, I'm going to give him a ride. But when I pulled over to pick him up, he was gone. And I thought, okay. I wanted to get a hotel room, and it was just terrible luck because I wanted to get home that night. I wanted to be with my family, right? And so I pulled off, and I got a room in, uh, in Dalton, Georgia, uh, on I-75, right? And uh, I uh, uh, got a room, and it was a terrible, nasty little hotel, and I thought, well, this is the worst luck of my life. And, uh, I mean, I couldn't sleep. The bed was terrible. And I got up that morning, and I was eating one of those terrible hotel breakfasts of bad coffee, and I looked on the news, and there was a 21-car pileup about five miles from where I pulled over, and 11 people were killed. That was one of the worst wrecks on I-75. You can still go back and look at it. 
And had I continued, I would have been part right. of that pileup. What? Who was right. that old man walking down the highway? Right. Exactly. Who was Cause that? Because I, I pulled over. I pulled over to uh, pick him up, and I thought I might as well just go off this exit and uh, get because I can't see anything, and this is a terrible storm. Uh, who was that old man walking down the highway? Wow. In that, yeah. bliz- in that blizzard, you know. Um, it was it just to tell you that I get cold chills. My hair would stand up on end if I had any hair. But that would, you know, I thought this is terrible. This is terrible. What bad luck? I I was tired. I was exhausted. I just wanted to get home, get in my own bed with my own wife, have some hot chocolate, hot coffee, and I just oh, I'm so tired. And I thought oh, this is awful. I had such a bad attitude about it. I was all night. Like, then I got up and found out I could have been killed. And I thought, well, this is not the worst thing that could have happened. But oh, those poor people. There was a 21 car pileup. It was one of the worst yeah. accidents yeah. in it's like that. It's like that other one about the guy. Uh, the guy who um, goes up in an airplane, so lucky to go up in an airplane, and uh, but then the airplane starts spinning out of control, so he jumps with his parachute, but oops, his parachute doesn't open, bad luck, but he falls on a haystack, good luck, but there's a needle in the haystack, and it stabs him in the ass, bad luck, <laughs> you know, you just it's <laughs> yeah. like, but you always wonder uh, who's in charge, right? Who's in charge of the Akashic record? Who's dealing this out? Predestination? Fate? Luck? You know, we we never will know the answer, I guess, till we reach a higher state of existence. But for me, the accumulation of luck is also associated with one other thing I want to mention, and that is charity. You mentioned gratitude. Mm-hmm. I want to throw yeah. in the old the old Jewish idea of charity. If you give charity, you accumulate, I guess, what I call them bonus points in heaven. <laughs> um, right. If you if you are charitable to others, the universe will be charitable to you, and it will manifest yeah. as luck because there's no. It doesn't seem to come from anywhere, and it may not be money luck. You may give money for the you know the rescue and support of of dogs in the Ukraine. And um, and it doesn't come back to you in the form of money, but you might find yourself with a a, a gift of a dog, right? And that dog mm-hmm. may be the dog that saves your life. It it's always comes back some way. But it could be yeah. something else. Yeah. So you might you might meet someone at the at the dog rescue facility who turns out to be the love of your life, and you marry and live together for fifty years. So ch- yeah. doing charity opens up a little rift or tear in reality because reality is very cut and dried right but if you say no no i'm pushing through and giving charity then you can mm-hmm. like reach the other side of the veil i guess you could say and something comes back to you and all of a sudden you are the lucky one so charity right. is a good way to build luck yeah that's why they say that if you ever win any sum of money a portion of it should be given to charity a portion of it should be donated certainly any type certainly. of money that you win also a common practice in a lot of cultures the first paycheck you get you should donate a portion of it to charity or donate it to the poor so your first job it's your first paycheck you donate a portion of it to ensure that the uh, luck continues to flow and this is deeply tied to the idea in, in, in my particular cosmology any entity can grant you luck you can mm-hmm. get luck from the devil you can get luck from jinn you can get luck from spirits of the dead you can get luck from sort of anywhere but fortune, that is a long-lasting, enduring sense of blessing, tends to be divine in nature and celestial. Um, so you can change your luck 
through various things, but more long-lasting, you generally have to cultivate a sense of gratitude, cultivate a sense of charity, uh, and you have to work sort of with higher powers, if you will. So there, I do see a distinction between these two, where luck comes from versus fortune, and who you go to for luck versus fortune. You might work with the crossroads devil to get turn your luck around to get a little bit of lucky in the music industry, to get lucky in, in, the, in the next time you gamble. But if you want mm-hmm. a fortune, a state of being constantly blessed, it may not always be material money-wise, but it brings good. And like you mentioned, you met the love of your life at a dog shelter, for example. That tends mm-hmm. to be destiny. That tends to be the divine. That's right. Um, I agree. And I it, agree, it, yes. It, again, I, wanna, I just want to put up a few more cultural markers into this conversation. The lucky beckoning cat, the Nicky Neko, the cat that waves its arm and brings yeah, luck, was yeah. a real cat that really brought luck to some real Buddhist uh, teachers in Japan. It's an actual cat. <laughs> and so, But now Im- images of that cat represent help from strangers. It's a wonderful symbol of luck. The three-legged money toad of China is good luck. And I mentioned yep. before the lucky mushrooms, the the wishbone that you break, and uh, and whoever gets the longer piece is the, the the bigger piece is the one who will have the luck. Finding a four leaf yep. clover, luck. All of these things represent oddities or out of the ordinary things, which if you attach yourself to them, you then can get some of that luck. And I oh, yeah. uh, recommend that anybody who is interested in changing from bad luck to good, use Van Van oil or Van Van bath crystals to bathe with because it is the one old, old formula in hoodoo that is known to change your luck from bad to good. If you've been having a run of bad luck, don't just sit there and say, oh, my life's now all unlucky. Go take a bath in Van Van. Put a, a white candle at the head and foot of the bath and, and back out through the candles and uh, your luck will have changed. Carry a lucky mm-hmm. coin with you. Carry a lucky yeah. talisman of some sort. But also yeah. make a promise. I tell people, um, if you if you want better luck, burn a candle, little candle, and but burn it in a big brass bowl. And every time you light the candle, uh, put a coin in. And just the candle should be on a on a candlestick that comes above the rim of the bowl and you put in a coin and you light it and burn that little candle down and then next time you put in another one and you just keep it by the end of it you're going to have good good luck and you'll have a bowl full of money that bowl full mm-hmm. of money you give to charity and you say now let all yes. of the luck that i've had be spread into the world and you give it physically don't put it in your bank account and then pay some charity with paypal you got to physically take those coins that you've been blessed and prayed over and you give them to charity and that will increase your luck i believe in it i've done it it has worked for me yeah that's fantastic yes 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 mm. Well, there is our music. We can all sing along. Where's the harmonica? Where is it? Will Shade is playing the harmonica on that. Um, and I and I believe that Charlie Bursey is playing the kazoo. Um, okay, so um, we'll turn this over to Clifford. We're going to now switch gears, change hats. We take off our little leprechaun hats, and we put in our gypsy kerchiefs. <laughs> just, just kidding, folks. Dealing in cultural stereotypes there. Um, and we will take a client and do a reading. Take it away, Clifford. 
Thank you. Support for this program is provided by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and located online at luckymojo.com, and by the Association of Independent Readers and Workers, AIR, a directory of ethical and authentic conjure practitioners located online at readersandwritworkers.org, and by Hoodoo Psychics, the first psychic line run entirely by Hoodoo practitioners. Receive a reading with a trusted root worker instantly. Call 1-884-HOODOO or visit hoodoopsychics.com. And by the Crystal Silence League, a free online prayer service of the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches located online at crystalsilenceleague.org. And now it's time to go to the phones, actually um, to the, um, the forum, and uh, read uh, today's client's request. Our caller is Sophia, calling, rather not calling, but writing from Europe. And she writes um, that she... Scroll back. Um, would you read some cards and offer me some root-working advice? I have been trying to sell my house and get away from this area for almost a year now. I need to, uh, to sell to buy a new place. I have asked St. Joseph and buried his figurine and also road opening oil on a candle to open the roads to sell and find a lovely and happy place to move to, but no success in selling so far. I think that gossips and nasty folk are talking negatively about the place, advising buyers to stay away. What can I do now? Unfortunately, I'm in Europe and I can't join you on the podcast. Um, I Let's see. Um, and she says that she's in Aries with cancer rising and she hasn't had a reading with uh, either Miss Cat or Contraman before. Turn it over you to Miss Cat. All right. Well, Sophia, who I, I believe has promised to tune in and listen to this uh, show in the archive, um, uh, welcome to the show in absentia. So what you've done and what I see is that you've, you are using the St. Joseph method of selling a house. So for those who don't know about it, St. Joseph was a carpenter. He was the stepfather of Jesus and um, and was known for always providing a home. Even when they were traveling and when Jesus was born unexpectedly, uh, he at least found them some shelter in a stable. So he was he's known for being responsible for sheltering people. That's why Sophia has prayed to St. Joseph. Bearing his figurine upside down is a common uh, belief that that will put him in an uncomfortable place and that um, he will then hasten to sell your home. Some people say he should be buried upside down with his face to- facing toward the east. Other people are not that particular about the direction. So, um, but it hasn't worked. So now we have the question, are there gossips and nasty folks talking negatively about the place? So I'm going to do the first reading right here. And um, there are other possibilities, too, which I would ask uh, generally. Is the place under a bad spell? You know, what's what's going on here? What is causing this place not to, to sell? Is too much money being asked? That's a practical reason it might not sell. Not all... Answers to questions are spiritual, as you know. Okay, card number one is the Five of Pentacles. This is the card of poverty. Mm. And it shows people walking in the snow, dressed in rags, one of them on crutches with bandages around the foot and on the head. Very, very unfortunate card. There's a big building with golden pentacles in the window, stained glass window. It could be a a church, a hospital, a university, or just a bank or something like that. Maybe that, that the economy is, is bad and people are poor right now. The money isn't there. These people don't go into the 
building and ask for money, even though there's money in the stained glass window, they don't go in and ask. They just sort of trudge on. So what I'm seeing here is it's not just your house. There's a general larger problem in play, and it's the economy. The prices uh, are out of whack with what people can pay. Next card, Four of Pentacles. This is a card called The Little King Who Lost Everything. This is a warning card. So it's a king who has a crown on, but he has no castle, he has no throne, he has no courtiers around him. He's sitting outside of a walled city, and he's holding a big coin in his arms on his lap. But you can see that his clothes are threadbare and torn and patched. He has one coin under each foot, like he's holding them down so they won't escape. And over his head is a smaller coin. So this is a person who is in a state of poverty, but partly because they don't know how to manage their money. They don't realize they have sources of income that are not known to them at this time. And it's a card of anxiety and worry about money. So again, this can be you being worried about money, but it's also a card that says that there are many people worried about money at this time. So again, not a card of gossip so much as a card of difficulty in the economy. And and as a reader, I have to say, when my answers are not magical answers, that doesn't mean that magic isn't true. It just means you asked the question in such a way that showed a bias and the cards are saying, I don't buy your bias. Right? So the third card is another pentacle card. So these are all money cards in a row. And this is the nine of pentacles. And it shows a woman uh, out in a beautiful garden. She has grape vines. She has some trees behind her. Those are her trees. She has a castle behind her. That's her little house. And uh, actually pretty elaborate house. It's a castle. And she has two piles of money, a big pile of money with a snail next to it and a little pile of money, and over it is a hawk. The answer is very clear here. She's turning away from the big pile of money because it comes too slow. Lower your price. If you lower your price, it'll sell quickly like a hawk flying to an unknown person, a stranger, because the hawk has a hood over its um, head, and we can't see that hawk at all. And, but the but the holding out for the larger amount of money shows the snail, and the snail is destructive and not really helpful to the cause and will not uh, win. So the woman turns away from the snail and turns toward the hawk, which has only three coins as opposed to six. Mm-hmm. So in all three of these cards, there's a there's a sense here that there's something practical. Not the place is not haunted. Nobody is gossiping about you. Nobody is saying it's a bad place to live. The asking price is high. The economy is bad. And you are holding on to what you've got with everything you've got. But you might be losing that middle king there in the middle of the three cards. He's he's sad and he's anxious because he's trying to hold on to everything. He's got to learn to let the money flow, um, lower the price, and you will sell it. I know it just sounds like... Gee, old practical advice, but that's what the cards um, gave me when I read them. So I'm going to turn this over, and um, we're going to have John do a reading. Oh, well, oh, gosh, thanks. The uh, Yes, the uh, situation is unfortunate. Um, 
the Black Hand Lenormand has both the Lenormand deck and the uh, missing card. So it's a full deck of cards, and I have both the Lenormand and playing cards, which I find delightful. So uh, I have the Ten of Spades, which is the boat, and this means the uh, commerce. And uh, next to it is the Seven of Spades, the letter. So, yes, it's a bad, uh, bad uh, it's unfortunate commerce. Basically, it's a bad time to sell, as Miss Cat says. Um, now, this also means that um, there is a, 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 a thing we can do. We have uh, we actually have three fives in this rest of them. is five of hearts, five of diamonds, and the five of clubs, which means the situation can be turned around. And um, she had an instinctive idea that maybe through a dream, that people are gossiping about her. Um, what this means to me is that she can turn this around and have people that she knows uh, put out words uh, that are not gossip, but praise. Uh, put reviews on the house or put words out that this is a great place to live with a lot of good energy. And rather than having negative talk about it, and uh, there, there may be some of that I don't I don't see it um, maybe but I, I don't see it but I think there was a reason that she um, may have felt that and um, so uh, the, the reading says that uh, the house can be sold not for the price she's asking that's why we have the fives the fives indicate change must occur the five of clubs especially means situation must change and the five of diamonds means the price must change uh, the five of hearts means i think she has some emotional attachment to this house that she's got to let it go basically emotionally but this letter the seven of spades um the uh the talk must change in a positive sense and um I believe that it, when I draw a, uh, a, uh, a card to see what should happen, I get the king of clubs, and uh, that's clouds. So I believe that there's not the right person trying to sell it. Uh, there, uh, there needs to be a more forceful uh, uh, person in charge of selling it, uh, someone that knows how to take the situation and turn it around. And I believe if this occurs, then uh, I, I believe the house could sell. All right. Get a better realtor, huh? Uh, well, a different one. I wouldn't say a better one, but somebody with a different approach who can uh, uh, take a more aggressive approach. Okay. All right. Well, let's turn this over to Conjurman, and he's going to give you some spell work. Yeah, I think you've gotten some really good uh, advice here. Uh, particularly pay attention to the fact that uh, when you're selling a house, as Ms. Kat pointed out, you're dealing with um, larger economic forces, uh, and so you're going to be working within certain constraints. There was a little bit of timing that jumped up uh, at me, and I just want to mention that before I get into the root work. December is going to be a particularly important uh, point in this timeline for you, uh, so be mindful of that, that something around December is, is going to be happening. I should also note that just astrologically, Jupiter will be go stationing retrograde very or stationing and then going retrograde very soon uh, in the next week or so. 
uh, by the end of the month, and it will remain so for most of, of the year. So just be mindful of that, uh, that that can also cause a little bit of disruption as it is the planet that generally deals with things like fortune, luck, and wealth and whatnot. Uh, so that's timing-wise. You're looking at a little bit long-term here. You can do some stuff in order to make this property better and to help move things along. The first thing I want you to do is get dirt from the four corners of the property or the house. You should gather this generally at sunrise. Um, you can do it if it's an apartment complex. It just, you know, or if it's, a, for example, a condo that's in a part of a bigger uh, building, you can just get dirt from the four corners of the building. That's perfectly fine. Uh, if it's your actual house and you have some type of physical uh, outdoor property like a lawn, make sure to include that, not just the four corners of the home, but also the lawn, the backyard, etc. So make sure that the entire property is covered in the four corners. Gather this at dawn. Bring it back inside, and in a bowl, mix it with a pinch of sugar and a pinch of cinnamon. Cinnamon and sugar are perfect for any type of attraction work when it comes to money, when it comes to selling, when it comes to getting people to give you money. Really old-timey mixture. So you want to mix this with the dirt, play it, place it into this bowl. On top of it, put a candle holder. So you have this bowl, dirt, candle holder in the bowl, but sticking out. You're going to place a white candle into the candle holder that you've dressed with Lucky Mojo Attraction Oil and Money Drawn Oil. Burn this candle every Wednesday while praying. Wednesday is ideal for any type of commerce and exchange and selling. You're going to do this every Wednesday until the property is sold. If the property is listed online, make sure that you print out those pictures and place them around this bowl. You can place them underneath them. Whatever images your realtor has put up, make sure that you include them. So this is going to be the sort of centerpiece of your work. You're going to light these candles and continue to burn them every Wednesday while praying asking that your property be sold, that you are given the price that you asked for, that you are able to make a profit, and so on and so forth. The next step, as my classically three-part spell, if you will, uh, the the (laughs) heritage plug, uh, the second Mm -hmm. uh, part to this is I want you to do a floor wash. Get yourself a floor wash. This can be Van Van floor wash. This can be uh, money drawing. It can even be uh, Chinese floor wash perfectly fine. Uh, But what you're going to do is you're going to dissolve it in some warm water, add a pinch of sugar and cinnamon again, and you are going to wash the front door, the front steps, and the walkway if you have it. So you're not washing the inside of the house. You're washing the outside, the front door, the front steps and the walkway. And you want to do it in the direction leading to your house. So if you have a walkway, start at the walkway, then move to the front steps, then move to the door. This way you are leading the individuals to your home, leading them into the property. You're going to wash this and pray that the buyers come to you, that they choose your house, that they are drawn to it, and that offers are made for you. You should do this ideally on a Sunday, a Wednesday, or a Thursday. And then the third part is when finally someone is coming by to visit the property, when they want to see the inside of the home, or when they are inquiring, 
what you want to do is put some vanilla oil on an oil burner and let the house smell warm and welcoming. Vanilla is a fantastic scent. You could add cinnamon here as well as you'd like, but it's really good for um, triggering that homey feeling. People smell vanilla and they think of the holidays. Right? Vanilla, the allspice, cinnamon, nutmeg, these are the scents that they associate with holidays. So if you burn a little bit of vanilla oil, if you don't have uh, an oil burner, you can add vanilla to a pot. You can add cinnamon there and then sort of burn it that way. It's not going to be as strong or potent, but you'll still get a little bit of a scent. The strongest way is the oil that you will burn on an oil burner, allowing that scent to sort of fill the house in a sort of uh, easier way, you can just get a vanilla-scented candle, uh, but it's a bit too synthetic in my opinion. Uh, it smells a little bit off, still quite nice, but that will also work. But you just want to make sure that you fill the house with this scent before they walk in, so that when they walk in, ah, they take a nice, good smell. And smell is important here because it's one of the most powerful senses we have associated with memory, and it will get them to start to think of your place at home place that they want to be. It's the same reason why uh, Disneyland pumps all of their vents with all the wonderful smells of sugar and vanilla when you are. If anyone ever go to Disneyland or Disney World, you ever notice how it smells really nice when you walk in? It's because they pump the vents with all that wonderful sugar and vanilla smell from the <laughs> and whatnot. So you're using the exact same technique of Disneyland. You're going to pump your house with this wonderful scent here. So this is a three-part working. You start off by using the candle and the dirt in order to draw long distance. You use a floor wash to lead them into your property and then use the scent to capture them and enthrall them once they are in the property itself. That's my recommendation. We'll be a minute. Let's see if uh, John St. Germain or Miss Cat have anything further to add. Um, well, Onyx Rose, who seems to be having a weird little dialogue with me going in the chat. We're reading each other's minds today. Onyx Rose is kind of fun. She says, some realtors also suggest the scent of freshly baked bread. And that is true, too. That will also work. And um, if you kind of put those together, you can come up with freshly baked vanilla um, cinnamon rolls. Yeah, it's the yeasty part of the bread. bread. It's not just vanilla cookies. It's the yeastiness of the bread is a home scent. And so, yeah, um, vanilla cinnamon toast is good. All, all of that sort of stuff is is really great to set the scene. I also would put the picture of St. Joseph in a frame uh, somewhere. If you are an observant Catholic, nobody's going to object to you having a picture of St. Joseph in a frame. If you live in an area where Catholicism is a minority religion or you don't want to identify as Catholic, put the picture of St. Joseph behind another picture, like an old mill at sunrise under beautiful deciduous trees, whatever. And then behind that is St. Joseph and then the the backer for the a picture, but most people will put out a picture of St. Joseph, hang it on the wall, and uh, at least that'll alert Catholics that you really mean to sell the house. All right, well, good luck, Sophia. Now we are going to um, have a scheduled announcement which comes directly from our vanilla loving information department. Mm.
The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ollie, Sundays, 3 to 4.30. The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays, 5 to 6. The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix LeFay, Fridays, 1 to 2. And Blue Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse, Fridays, 7 to 8. All time specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. And now it's time for our free spell segment from our special guest, Reverend John St. Germain of johnstgermain.com in Knoxville, Tennessee. Take it away, Reverend John. Ah, oh, thanks, Clifford. Uh, I have a. Um have you guys ever heard of uh, three bean soup? Uh, this is uh, the three the three bean luck charm, and uh, it's going to use uh, the lucky mojo bean, which is a fava bean. I'll, I'll tell you something funny about the fava beans. Uh, I was uh, a dinner guest. My wife and I at a friend's house, and we had dinner, and uh, he served up uh, a nice meal. And there were fava beans, and uh, we ate, we ate one and went chew 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 chew, and I said. Um, I said, uh, Mark, did you uh, peel these beans? And uh, he said, peel them. I said, oh, okay. <laughs> because fava beans, you have to peel. You cook them for a while, then you peel them and put them back in. But uh, he didn't. So we have uh, the Lucky Mojo bean, which is a fava bean. Um, we have a thing called the velvet bean or the horse eye bean, um, which, uh, as memory serves, it's a, a Makuna prurians. It's a it's a fuzzy little bean. And... Uh, it's also known for luck. And uh, now, this one you must be careful with. It's called a crab eye bean or a rosary pea. And uh, it's a uh, obris precatorius. Don't eat it. Uh, these things contain a, uh, well, they're, they're kind of poisonous, but people do uh, boil them and extract uh, the obris, uh, the obra. Juice from it and use it for uh, in some countries for various medicinal things, um, but don't. Uh, but they're very pretty. They're red with a little um, black spot, and sometimes they're uh, they're called rosary peas and uh, various things uh, and crab eye beans. But these three beans are associated with luck. So you uh, you can take these and you can anoint them with a uh, with a luck oil and uh, leave them overnight. Under, under the new moon. Then you put the three beans in a small bag, and as you place them in the bag, recite Psalm 61, which starts out, Hear my cry, O Lord, attend unto my prayer. And you draw the bag shut, and you carry with them with you uh, for luck. Very, very simple. Just a very simple little spell. The three, the three bean luck charm. I call that. And those beans are very, very easy to obtain. Um, yeah, very easy to obtain. That's correct. Uh, do not, do not ingest the crab eye bean. Now, the other two you can. Now, if you want to substitute the black eye pea for the crab eye, you have three beans that are ingestible. I mean, if you want to uh, uh, carry these for a while. Uh, the Lucky Mojo bean, the Black IP, and the uh, Velvet bean, um, you could eat them. 
Wow. Um, well, velvet beans are interesting. They're Macumapurians. They are used as a vermifuge. And um, those yes. little hairs that make them velvety actually stab um, helminths worms to death, believe it or not. And they will, you will excrete dead worms if you have worms. They're used for a number of uh, medicinal purposes. Um, mm-hmm. uh, horse, horse eye beans, yeah. Um, yeah, those those uh, little hairs, yeah. Um, uh, mm-hmm. I didn't know they stabbed the worms. I knew they killed the worms, but do they? They, they stab yeah, they the they worms? they actually <laughs> stab them to death for real. Uh, it's one of those crazy. You know, isn't nature grand? Um, The other thing I would say, so instead of those, you might want to use red beans. So these would be like red kidney beans. Um, Mm -hmm. um, You know, red kidney beans are also used for luck. And um, um, I have a whole web page on um, lucky red beans. I think we put it through earlier, but maybe Shiva can pick it up again. Uh, The Lucky Legumes um, page. And in my book, uh, Hoodoo Urban Root Magic, I go into great detail about these lucky beans, eating lucky beans at New Year's. And um, there's other ones that are lucky, too. Pinto beans are considered lucky by some people, just like pinto horses are considered lucky. Uh, yeah, there it a is. Seven uh, bean, a seven-bean lucky bean charm. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Well, there, there's another one that you didn't mention, which is three-bean salad. And um, three-bean salad salad uses the green bean as one of the three beans, and then it uses the kidney beans and the white navy beans usually. Usually. There's different ways to make Mm. a three-bean salad, but a three-bean salad is also lucky. And um, I had mentioned earlier, you know, the story of Jack and the Beanstalk, who, who was, you know, cheated and received um, only three beans, and then he planted them, and of course he got real lucky. Yes. Um, so beans have been have a long history of luckiness and um, a long history of folklore yeah. and uh, yes, yeah, and luck. Yeah, the, the okay. planting the three mm-hmm. magic beans. So. The um, another thing you can do with this charm, as he said, is to um, put them in a bag, and you can accumulate different beans. For a person who collects rocks, if you, anyone listening, are a rock collector, just take a break from rock collecting for a moment and start collecting beans. They will do the same thing to your brain that different kinds of jasper. Does. You know, if you get if you get into jasper, I mean, like there's a, you know 117 kinds of jasper, maybe 250 kinds of jasper, and you want one little polished piece of each kind of jasper. It's just beans are just like jasper. The the energy of beans is the vegetable equivalent of jasper, and they come with all these fabulous little patterns on them and and stuff. Um, Nagashiva made a joke: a bean bag um, in lithomancy by our dear Reverend John St. Germain. He talks about a basic stone casting set, right, John? One mm, white stone, yes. one brown stone, one black yes. stone. You could use your three beans for telling fortunes. There are so many different kinds of beans. Uh, there's a seven-bean soup mix you can buy at the store. And I was looking at them one time, and I said, you could throw, you could take that bag of beans and get a handful of them and throw them and do readings with them. You can do readings with everything, uh, which I point out in lithomancy. I said, Any, anything that's uh, varied, because, uh, you know, you did the candy hearts, right? I said, at the very end, I said, mm. this proof, here's candy, a candy heart reading, right? The Valentine candy right. hearts, which I used to do at father-daughter uh, events when they'd hire me. And because uh, I always had bowls of those. And uh 
for Valentine's Day, the father-daughter things, I get a handful of them and throw them and read them. And uh, uh, I said, you can do uh, uh, that sort of reading with anything that has a variety. And I remember looking at that seven bean soup and thinking, you could do readings with that if you wanted to, and it would be kind of cool. <laughs> it seems like something a wandering uh, uh, a guy would do in England or something. He'd have his beans, you know, and throw the beans. <laughs> yeah. you know, maybe the guy that sold the beans to Jack did, you know. Yeah, well, son, right. I got something That's for you. Right. I'm reading your fortune. Here's some beans for you. Uh, All right. Uh, All right. Well, here's our music. So we've got to leave Clifford enough time to make his announcements. And then we're going to come back, and maybe I'll have a minute or half a minute, and then we'll say goodbye. So take it away, Clifford. Thank you, Miss Cat and Conjurman. And thank you, Reverend John St. Germain of johnstgermain.com in Knoxville, Tennessee, for being our guest this week. We invite you to join us next week when our special guest will be Mama E of conjuredoctor.com in Los Angeles, California, on the topic of food and vegetable spells. Once again, we've come to the end of another Lucky Mojo Guru Work Hour brought to you by Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forest, California. You can find Miss Cat via the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and conjuremanconsulting.com in Michigan, California. I'm your announcer, Clifford Lowe, joining you from cliffloe.com. The Lucky Mojo Guru Work Hour can be heard every week live on Blog Talk Radio at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, and the shows are available in archive via luckymojo.com. Slash radio show dot html. For all of us at Lucky Mojo, I'd like to thank you for being here and invite you to tune again once again next week. At this same time, when you will hear the familiar strains of the Memphis Jug Band playing the Jug Band Waltz. Thank you, everybody, and goodbye. Thank you, Clifford. Once again, happy birthday, happy start of a new year for you. Um, well, I'm going to go back to work as soon as we, the show is off the air. <laughs> typesetting. I'm going to typeset Clifford's flyer for the festival. So remember, guys, Hoodoo Heritage Festival, August 13th and 14th. Be there or be square. We are uh, selling tickets at a fast rate, and we are very happy about that, by the way. If you yes, order in time, if you order in time, you will get your goodie box. That's a hundred dollars value of spiritual supplies from makers all around the country, and uh, with instructions on how to use them because you're going to use them in the workshops. These are not just here's some random stuff for you. You'll be taught how to use each of these types of uh, spiritual supplies. So your ticket is three hundred, but you get a hundred dollars back in the form of your goodie box, and it will be shipped to you by U.S. Post Office. So make sure you get your address in there when you get your ticket. Alrighty. Good night. Okay. Good night. Good night. Bye bye.